Welcome to the Shine Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Kunarian, and I am so grateful that you are here. I'm a wife, mother of three boys, certified massage therapist, and an alcohol-free sobriety coach who helps driven women break through their alcohol dependency without the traditional 12-step program. Each week, I will bring you inspiring guests with focus on mindset, health, and spirituality, providing you the tips and tools to help you create unshakable confidence, clarity, and energy so you can unleash your creative potential and live the life of your dreams alcohol-free. So tune in for some fun, and if you are ready to shine, welcome. Hello, lovely listeners. If you're finding value in what you're hearing today, make sure to head over to the show notes. Not only will you find more details on today's topic, but you'll also get an exclusive invitation to join my free Facebook group, Awakened Souls. This community is perfect for women who are either super curious or currently journeying through recovery. Being part of Awakened Souls offers a supportive environment where you can connect with like-minded women, all working towards an alcohol-free lifestyle. Plus... There are special free gifts waiting inside the show notes, (laughs) curated specifically to empower and assist you on your journey. And if you're loving the content, I'd be so grateful if you take a moment to rate this podcast. Your feedback helps me continue bringing you the conversations and insights you love. Let's keep the momentum going. And remember, you are not alone on this journey. I am here to help you every step of the way. Today, we're thrilled to have the incredible Mia Zamperano join us. Mia is not just any mental health therapist. She's a beacon of guidance for high achievers who battle stress and anxiety to amplify their performance. With almost a decade of remarkable experience, Mia has been a guiding light for elite athletes, entrepreneurs, and business professionals, helping them bolster their mental resilience and overall performance. Mia's unique journey has seen her wear many hats, a licensed therapist, a driven entrepreneur, a nurturing mother, and a former Division I college athlete. Her diverse experiences have perfectly positioned her to understand and effectively address the immense pressures her clients face. Today, Mia will share her insights on redefining performance, tackling mental barriers, and the importance of maintaining a positive relationship with our performance in every aspect of life. Join us as we dive deep into the world of high-performance living, learning how to turn challenges into opportunities for growth and success. Get ready to be inspired and empowered. Let's welcome Mia to the show. How are you, Gina? It's so nice to see you, my friend. (laughs) My fellow entrepreneur, a fellow mommy, you know, kids Mm -hmm. and everything, wife, and you do it all, Mia. How do you do it? How do you do it? (laughs) (laughs) One thing at a time. That is for sure. Totally. Yeah. So when I think about performance, I think about performing arts. But in a way, we are doing Mm. artsy things, whether it's Mm -hmm. with sports, whether it's with our work, because we're being creative. And I wanted to know what performance means to you and how has your perception of it actually evolved over time? So it's interesting. I love that we're starting with this because when I ask other people what when I they hear the word performing or performance, like what what comes up for you? And a lot of the times people are like, oh, it feels fake or inauthentic, or it's like stress or judgment. And like, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this because the reality is we're constantly performing. So my former relationship with performing is like when you're on your con as, as a soccer player, it's like when you're all in, you're all in and it's, you know, it's happening behind the scenes too, but like you're showing up to practice and, you know, in that 
time of my life too, I was showing up for other things as well. And I almost saw them as separate and I wish I hadn't um, because they're all completely intertwined. And if you're struggling in one area, it's going to impact other areas as much as we try to compartmentalize, like we're human at the end of the day. So in terms of my definition now and how I work with others on their definition of performing is it's, it really is the basic definition is your engagement in a task or a function, your, the quality of your completion of a task or a function. And, and if you think of it that way, we are constantly performing. And the biggest mistake we can make is waiting for the big thing because chances are by that point you're prepared or you're not. And how you show up is very much an internal reflection. So that's the relationship I've created. And people might think like, oh, that sounds like even more pressure. You're always on. But it's more of like a mindfulness practice is, again, to not wait for the next thing. It's like to be present, to do the best you can. And that doesn't mean it has to be perfect. It just means you're doing everything you can. You're being intentional. And every day that might look a little different. Right? Like every day I wake up, I'm like, why am I in a bad mood? And wake up next morning. Why am I in a good mood? All of a sudden, yeah, right. <laughs> like we don't choose our our emotions. Sometimes, you know, just like when we perform these different things, we may do really good, and then we may not do so mm. good the next one. But we gotta give some compassion to ourselves, and not, yes. yeah, our, our hater. We need to be our own best friend. I always say that roommate that's in that head right there. You know, it's mm-hmm. like she needs to shut up and go and move out before I kick her out. Because you want your mind to be your best friend. I've learned that. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and that comes from like kind of what you were saying is, is being more inquisitive than judgmental. Like, why am I feeling this way? Because we can control our emotions. It's not easy, but what comes up for you, you may not have as much control of if it's in response to a situation or not getting enough sleep or whatever it may be. But what we don't realize is we tend to have more control than we realize and even just starting that question with why am I feeling this way instead of like, I shouldn't be feeling this way or like, oh, today's gonna be horrible. That's performing right there is choosing a different thought of like, okay, I know I'm struggling. Like, what do I need? So that's that right there, because that leads to the next thing and the next thing and the next mm-hmm. thing. And it's very much a domino effect. Right. Totally a domino effect. So we, we got to just change our thoughts in our, in our, in our story that's in our head, you know, like mm-hmm. just change it. It's okay to practice it. <laughs> it's difficult it's not, at it's first. It's not easy to do. It's not and, easy and to do. <laughs> no, it's not. And, and the reason, because a lot of people say that, right. And I don't feel like everyone has the context of why, because it sounds good in theory. They're like, oh, why wouldn't I just think differently? It, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. And the reality is though, the, the, the science is showing that we have about 60 thousand thoughts a day. Wow. And what happens is our thoughts impact our emotional experience, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're prompted with something. We get some kind of stimuli. We're going to have some kind of thought about it, right? That's the way of process information. And that thought is going to trigger an emotional response because that tells us how to act or react to it. Now, depending on what that action or reaction looks like is going to elicit that cycle all over again. So we are constantly in that cycle. And, and a lot of times we're kind of along for the ride because it's not in our conscious mind. So building that relationship, like you were saying with yourself, with your thought process, and maybe even just becoming more aware of what you're saying to yourself, what that sounds like and how it's impacting you on a day-to-day or even moment-to-moment is a huge shift in and of itself. Yeah, because I remember when I was 
the reason why I think I drink is because I had like very low confidence and mm. I wanted to like numb how I felt. And mm -hmm. I felt like that alcohol would give me more confidence because I would talk so meanly to myself. I'm like, man, I would even talk to a stranger like that or let yeah. alone like my own children. Like, why mm -hmm. am I even talking to myself like that? Like, what the mm. heck? <laughs> like some, why? Like, we're supposed to be like on, like cheering us on. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, it's so horrible. Yeah. I'm like, oh. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> I thought I'd just say that. <laughs> no, it's true though. And I think like when it, when, you know, alcohol is a very common coping mechanism when we don't know how to reconfigure those thoughts or they feel so invasive and we don't have other skills, it's a very common um, means of ineffective coping, obviously, but you know, we, we do the best we can with what we know. And, and I think our job is to keep trying to build that knowledge. And instead of putting ourselves down or being harsh to ourselves, like building that compassion and knowing when you don't know what you need to know and, and always, you know, being willing to find out more from whether it's someone else or resources or support or whatever it might be. Totally. Now, can you actually elaborate on some strategies or practices that, that actually help with enhancing performance? Yeah. So what my program comes from, so I, if, I think you said it in, my, in the introduction, which was beautifully said, by the way, <laughs> uh, I am a licensed therapist. So I've been doing this for about 10 years. And throughout those 10 years, not only did I have, you know, the educational background, I've also had additional certifications and an ongoing, um, you know, continued education in the field. Throughout that experience, and kind of, again, this parallel experience with being an athlete, I found that while I was building my practice and getting these new tools, a lot of people were seeking me out because of my background, because I was a high performer, because of, you know, whether it was academics or business or, um, you know, current former professional athletes, college athletes. And I noticed that kind of like became my niche. And I was like, not only do I click and drive well with these people, but I feel like the content I've been learning and, and tweaking is so applicable. So I developed based on those evidence-based practices I was learning and applying, I kind of created my own formula that specifically tailors to that population. So the biggest foundational piece is the awareness piece. So this kind of appraisal as being able to meet yourself where you're at and take inventory because I think a lot of times we talk about doing that, but we don't do it authentically or genuinely or compassionately. And that's the big kind of tool. And if, if any one of you are like, Ooh, what, what does that look like? Uh, if you go on my website, which we can talk about later, I actually have the free performance appraisal. So you can literally look at it and take it. And then it's a PDF. So you can download it, take it over and over and over again. It's a great reflective tool. So that's what something you can do is just kind of build that relationship with yourself redefine what showing up looks like performing looks like and just be willing to see what's coming up for you the other piece of it is understanding like kind of what we were just talking about before is creating a relationship with your mind right a lot of us are well versed in the relationship with our body it's it's very pop culture and not in a bad way i think it's great that it's becoming very pop culture to like you know, know what's healthy, know what's not. Our nutrition is something we talk about. It's, you know, we're about to be in the new year. It's every kind of get back on the train for exercise and stuff. Again, not bashing any of it. I think it's super, super important. Um, but a lot of us don't take the time to really build a relationship with our governing force, which is our mind, right? Our mind and our body are constantly in communication. And if you're only talking to one, you're neglecting the other. And, you know, that goes both ways too. I talk all the time with athletes when, you know, they're just attending to their bodies and, and not as much training their minds or, you know, a lot of times business professionals or, or other 
high level intellectuals aren't necessarily tapping into the emotions or maybe not even the physical part. And when they're not in alignment, that can feel really um, uncomfortable or just it's like, it feels like mismatch. Right. So it's, it's just building that relationship. What do my thoughts sound like? What's my relationship with myself sound like? What's going on? How, how, what can I do to try to reframe that? We talk about narratives. We talk about, you know, affirmations, but again, understanding how that informs our emotional response and our actions and reactions, which essentially make up our reality. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's that deeper meaning because you can do something for so long, but unless you're really connected with it, your, your values, your why, whatever it is, it's going to be really hard to stay on that train. And then, you know, there's, there's also kind of the basic regulation techniques. I teach a lot on crisis management, stress management, emotional regulation, because again, at the end of the day, we're all human. I don't care how much money you have or how successful you are. Like <laughs> we're human. And, um, it's, it's really good information to have because that will help how you show up too. If you are constantly overwhelming or overloading yourself, it's not going to look quite the same. And that, that becomes very exhausting. And I think that's a lot of why, uh, we feel burnout mm. is, is not just one feeling like we're going through the motions, but again, not having that deeper connection and not being able to understand why we're doing what we're doing. Right. I even remember like in high school, I mean, I only played like high school sports. I didn't do any in college. I was playing like basketball and like having to keep my grades and then all those practices, mm -hmm. everything, it was really putting a toll on me. I was getting like cranky. Yeah. My grades were going down. <laughs> I'm just trying to like do a good job on the team. Yeah. But oh, I saw other places where I wasn't doing so well in like school, <laughs> schoolwork, you know? Yeah. And that was hard. I remember those times, man. I wish you were around back then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I try to be around now. I mean, it's it's so easy to lose perspective in that tunnel vision too. Again, whether you're a mompreneur or an entrepreneur and you're like, you're doing it because you know you have to, but like taking time to really reconnect with why you're doing it and and your mission and how it's a part of you in a very healthy way, it it truly does make a difference. And And when I work with athletes, it's like, it's very easy at certain points in your season to be like, I'm going through the motions. I'm just trying to get this done or I'm trying to, you know, checking it off the list. And again, that that's okay, but that's a recipe for burnout. Mm -hmm. I know, right? <laughs> we don't like burnout, <laughs> but can you actually no. share a personal experience where a shift in mindset positively impacted your performance? Oh God, just one. <laughs> um, <laughs> say as many as you like. <laughs> well, okay. I can, um, I'll share a physical, well, one that's tied to kind of my physical experience as an athlete. And then I'll share one that was tied to, um, kind of my later experience as a, as a business person or like getting into my field. So the, the first major, uh, shift I would acknowledge, cause it was, it's kind of one that I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Had I not made it, mm -hmm. um, when I was a senior in high school, I had already committed to my division one soccer team. I was, you know, thought who I was <laughs> and that was in the fall and the spring I was in a soccer tournament and I got slide tackled from behind and I tore my ACL MCL meniscus. My knee was just shot. And in the moment I thought I was okay because the way people had described um, the physical injury, I was like, no, like I'm okay. I, I kind of got up. I was able to kind of wobble off. I was like, it doesn't feel right, but like, I'm okay. Um, came to find out, obviously, what I just shared is that there was like my, my ACL wasn't even showing up in the MRI. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, you know, my one, I was caught completely off guard because the doctors 
didn't think it was that. So it was this first level of processing of my knee is torn in half essentially. Um, and then it was this, oh my gosh, I have to get surgery, which I have a had a phobia of needles at the time too. So I'm like, this is my nightmare. I'm just <laughs> supposed to like graduate and go play soccer and, and live out my dream. And now I, I don't know now that granted this was a long time ago too. So it was when that type of surgery was getting better, but it still wasn't, you know, a guarantee, mm -hmm. so to speak. So I just kind of had this crisis moment and I remember meeting with the doctor and, and he was just like, Hey, like, you know, you don't have to get the surgery. Your legs are strong enough, but like, you're not going to play division one soccer because you can't cut it on your knee. So it was kind of in that moment of like, all right, it's go time. Like I can sit here and complain and, and do the what ifs and ands, or I can get on the horse. And I was told that I would be cleared in nine to 12 months. And I ended up getting cleared in five and a half. Oh, wow. So I put everything I could physically into it, but mentally I was journaling every day about my experience. I was celebrating every win. I was pushing myself mentally to not, you know, I, I left it to my physical therapist to tell me what I wasn't capable of and everything else I treated as a possibility. And I just remember being so dedicated to that process and, you know, kind of fast forward. This is something I, the story I tell a lot of my athletes is, I did my post-op checkup and the brace they had given me. I'm, I'm not a, a very tall person. So the brace at the time basically took up my whole leg. And I said to the doctor, I'm like, listen, this is really killing my hip. Like, <clears throat> do how long do I have to wear this? Like, what's the deal? And he goes, he looked me in the eyes and he goes, if you're going to tear it again, you're going to tear it again. And mm. I was like, whoa. And he's like, yeah, that, that's that brace. Like there's a function to it, but it's more of a mental crutch. And I was like, Wow. So I never wore it again. Wow. Well, so I forget this. <laughs> well, yeah. It... Like, listen, I'm not telling everyone to do that, but for me, I think it was more counterproductive than productive and it wasn't making me confident. And as soon as I took it off and treated it as like, this is out of my hands. All I can focus on is playing how I play. And that's probably going to keep me safer. And, and it did ultimately. So yeah. that is like one big mindset story. Cause again, the physical work is important, but without your mind behind you, it, you know, a lot of times that doesn't matter as much as you might think. And then the other is, is a kind of a, a tale on what you treat as being possible. When I was post-grad, I was working very intensive in home family therapy cases. I was going from house to house, bouncing around um, inner city, Boston. I was in East Boston at the time, oh. um, which now is beautiful. But at the time was, it was a tough area. It was a lot of people struggling and doing the best they could at the same time, but it was, it was a rough area. So, um, I was going from house to house, really helping these families that were open to it and in need. And I was so grateful for that work. And at the same time, it was taking a toll on me that mm -hmm. to myself, remember what I'm doing, like how, where do I go from here? And I finally said, you know, I, I had always had the idea of being in private practice. And I finally said to myself, why not? Like, who's telling you you can't? Is this idea like you have to put in that much blood, sweat and tears? Like, you know, like, yes, experience is great. And, I, and again, I think had I had not had some of that experience, maybe I wouldn't be, again, where I am today. But um, it was kind of one of those enough is enough. Like you don't, you pain is inevitable. You know, there are things that you need to push yourself through and, and challenge and grow and all these things, but suffering is optional. It's like that extended, that prolonged choosing of something that might not be serving you again. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't 
even the client population, it was just when I was waking up, how much I was traveling, how much I was in my car, how I was bouncing back and forth, the, you know, things on the back end, paperwork and stuff that was due. It just wasn't conducive to the lifestyle I wanted to have either. So that was a big one is just kind of realizing like I'm, I have more say than I'm giving myself credit for and choosing what I'm doing with my time and how I'm helping other people too. Yes. And that's amazing. I know I wanted you to connect with my brother (laughs) and because he knows a lot of, I mean, he coaches basketball, men's basketball. And um, so I did have a question. Do you work with your clients like just virtually then, or do you go and fly out to the colleges? How does that work? So I work in person with some. There is an option, obviously, to do in person, to fly out, to travel. Um, And a lot of people do virtual. Uh, mostly individual clients will do virtual. If it's a team, I would like to do at least one session in person because I think it's very impactful to be in the locker room with them. That's a lot of the teams I work with is is in person. Um, but yeah, I, I will follow them through a season. I'll do workshops and it's a lot of fun. I love it. Yeah. It reminds you of being in, back in college again. Oh you know? yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> That's I so walk awesome. in the locker rooms and I'm just like, ah, oh, even though oh. it's not where I went, but you know, yeah, it just brings that good memories, you know, when you were playing soccer, that's awesome. It's, it's a cool thing because I'm far off, I'm far out enough where I can offer the perspective and the skills and the tools and all that, but I'm not so far out where people, the, the people that are in it or experiencing it don't respect kind of my perspective too, if that makes sense. It's like sometimes when you they feel like you're so far removed or you haven't been there, you don't get it, or maybe it's such a different experience. Um, they're not as receptive, but that's a lot of the feedback I get too. Is like, hey, I know you've been there. Um, that's that's a lot of what I say. Like I've I've lived it and I've learned it. <laughs> and right. you know, I don't think everyone has to, depending on the population you work with, I don't think everyone has to have that experience, but I think it certainly helps when you can um relate or or validate in a certain way. Um, while also offering a solution. Yeah, I have to be relatable. Be like, you know what? I've been in your shoes. I understand, you know, and I've been probably through worse because you had your 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 knee was all messed up and oh I can imagine oh because I'm a massage therapist so I have a lot of guests like coming oh. and saying like oh my ACL I tore it and just be careful then I'm like ow I'm just thinking in my head like mm. I can feel their pain like I'm an oh, yeah. empath so like I can feel and I know and I see and oh yeah <laughs> so I'm like oh. <laughs> oh god if I see an injury on TV I let my head like a whole body visceral response like oh. <laughs> <laughs> me too <laughs> me too no, we were talking about like some uh, mental barriers, you know, like overwhelm, you know, uh, even like comparison. Do you, are there any That's other, a huge one. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. How do you tackle that one? That's, that's actually a really fun one to tackle. It's something I struggled with uh, myself as well in a number of respects. And I think now kind of in the world we're in today, it's, it's even more loaded because you're not just comparing to yourself, you're not just comparing to the people around you, your teammates, you're not just comparing to the teams you're going up against, you're comparing to everyone, because mm-hmm. you're on everyone's TikTok and Instagram and and the reels and, you know, what's coming up on the news and TV, even because a lot of, you know, athletes are, or even, again, we were talking about business too, but it's, there's so much going on and it's so accessible information wise. So it's, a it's loaded. It's very difficult. And um, a lot of that, comes back to the relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's one piece of it, but a lot of it is 
again, taking that non-judgmental stance and actually, what are you observing in this person or the situation that you're comparing yourself to? Why? Like, what are you actually appreciating? It's an interesting spin on it where it can create a learning experience um, or even kind of a reinvention of goals to help point you in a direction rather than creating a discrepancy between you and where you want to be. So that's, that's a very common and detailed module, if you will, that we, that we go through. <laughs> right. No, the relationship at, with self and comparison and self-doubt and, and all those things. Mm-hmm. Being human, right? <laughs> yeah. being human, <laughs> Happens yeah. to all of us. Happens to it all sure of does. us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what advice would you give to someone who, who they have like extra anxiety and they're, they're stressed out <laughs> through their performance? What, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, well, my mind went to a lot of different things. First of all, just know that you're not the only one feeling this way. And my other thing is if you are a high performer and you know you have anxiety, one, that's that's probably why you, you know, you you care, right? <laughs> you care and that's you're trying so hard, and that's probably why you feel overwhelmed. And it's a part of it at least. Um, there's so many different things out there. And I feel like if you again are someone who's a high performer, you try to troubleshoot a lot yourself. And that may work to an extent, but I think my biggest tip is like, you don't have to know all the answers Mm -hmm. and there's so many ways you can kind of figure out what's going on for you. That's creating that sense of discomfort and try to shop around for at least somewhere to start in building that relationship with yourself. So you can heal that or, or decrease the intensity because it does trickle through kind of everything that we're doing. And, um, you know, where, where anxiety is coming up, it's not something that just goes away. Emotions aren't something that just kind of, you know, leave unless we acknowledge them there again, it's like trying to press snooze <laughs> all the time. It's it, unless you actually figure out what the alarm's going off for, it's going to be really hard to avoid it. So uh, you're not alone. It's very common, especially if you're someone who's trying to push yourself and be successful and do all these things. So, um, you know, kind of hats off to you, ironically. Um and, you know, again, try not to inundate yourself with all of the, again, I'm not saying the the self-help is bad. I think it's great. I think it's a great starting point in kind of figuring things out, but don't get discouraged if you're like, nothing's working. I'm trying all the things. It's very different to like dedicate yourself and your time to sitting down with somebody and fig- figuring out and having a plan for you. Don't feel like you have to figure it out yourself. Don't feel like you have to experience it by yourself. There's a lot of different options and ways to attend to it. Yeah, then they'll stop like, I'm overwhelmed. And I'm stressed because I'm overwhelmed. So it's like a cycle that it's like Mm. constantly going like a little hamster wheel. It's like over and over and over again. Let's break the cycle. Yeah, let's break the cycle. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. So um, how do you assess the measure improvement in performance? Like, how should one deal with setbacks? So so the first thing I heard you say was, how do you measure an assessment in performance? And then how do you deal with setbacks? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So I actually have created, like I said, that little quiz. And when I work with somebody, uh, whether it's in a traditional therapy standpoint or in a performance focused standpoint, we start with a baseline. Because a lot of times, like when you're working on something that's tangible or there's physical, you know, evidence, like I've I've gained or lost this much weight, or I've done this, or I've done that, or I measured like there's, there's kind of easy things to base your progress off of, so to speak. So what I like to do is have those numbers, have the, that kind of start with that baseline. So we know what we're working with. 
And interestingly enough, kind of to your point, a lot of times when I start working with someone, the scores actually increase, which means like they might feel more stressed or more anxious or more mm-hmm. comparison because we're actually acknowledging what they've probably been burying. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not an uncommon experience. And some might call it a setback. I don't, I think anything that you're doing, if you're actually approaching the process, it's never really a setback because it's always something you can learn from. Mm-hmm. I think the only time it's a setback is if you disengage. So when I see setbacks is like someone's really doing the work and they're like, I'm good. And then they stop doing the work. I think that's like a big setback because we assume like well, I'm doing good. I don't need to put as much effort in. I'd almost say that's when you like put the pedal to the metal because that's when you're going to do your best work. I would like stay as consistent as possible. But otherwise, just because you're feeling more stressed a certain day or more overwhelmed or a little more discouraged, I don't see that as a setback. I see that as a learning experience and an opportunity um, to again, refine your process, refine your approach, refine your well-being. Cause you know, we, we treat these things as, okay, this is what works for me, whether it's your routine or, or whatever it might be. And we are constantly changing. The only thing constant is change. So to think the same thing is always going to help you in the same way, isn't fair. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, again, I, I don't see that as a setback. I see it as a growth opportunity to just kind of reassess and and acknowledge like where I might need to shift. Yeah, because it's happening for you, not to you. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then can you suggest any other like resources or tools that have actually helped you or others in enhancing performance? Yeah, so what I, you know, what I was saying before is there's, there's a lot out there to start with, if like, you're kind of interested and you want to like, dip your toes in, but there's so many different books. Someone that for my um, mindset, if you're someone that airs on the side of spirituality, I, I would imagine you're probably familiar with her. Gabrielle Bernstein yeah. is someone I just absolutely adore in terms of like her approach, her, her take, her mindset. And she doesn't have a, th- a therapy background, but um, she consults with a lot of psychologists and stuff. So it's really cool. She intertwines that into her own work and shares that experience. So if you're just even interested on kind of like what's there, or if you are someone who's more spiritually inclined, like it's a really cool take on things to just get to know yourself. She has a lot of prompts and stuff. Um, again, otherwise, as far as tools, like my my assessment is available to you guys. If you go to, uh, you know, www.thementalperformanceexpert.com you'll you'll see an opportunity to, to kind of download your own performance appraisal and you know take it you can always message me or reach out to me and if you have any questions and it's a good starting point or you don't have to share it at all it could be just for you to have yeah i love that i'm gonna do it today yeah <laughs> i want to go and i want to because i want to see it that, that's so awesome that you created something like that that's amazing i've never I think heard it's of it important because I, yeah. I again i think a lot of times it's like well how do i know if this working you're like how is this going to benefit me and it and it's hard to invest your time and effort and energy and, and resources into something that might feel uncertain so to have something that's a check-in point and to understand how you're going to grow how this is going to help you how it's going to really change your life I and mean, nothing shy of that honestly um, it's cool. It's nice to have that. And it is kind of a gift that keeps on giving because it, it, if you work with me, whatever tools you have, you always have them. Mm-hmm. And then with this appraisal, it's just something that you can always return to, to check in with yourself and, and what you might be answering to might look different in what you're performing and what that season of life looks like for you. But it's the same kind of formula right. in terms of how you're treating yourself, how you're talking to yourself, how you're training your mind and your body and your emotions and how you're showing up. 
It's like that one saying, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So they just need to hook up with you and then they can enjoy everything around them in life now. They're going to have the tools, the the knowledge, the strategies, everything. That's so awesome. And um, so where can people follow you on social media? So I am on LinkedIn. Um, I am on Instagram primarily. Those are my two kind of hot spots. I try not to wear myself too thin. Um, so at Instagram, I am the mental at the mental performance expert. If you are an athlete or someone who's just interested in athletics, um, college, I guess even high school, uh, professional, um, you can go to, it's the number four, the athletes underscore. I'm thinking of the website So for the athletes underscore, but the number four, and then the mental performance expert. And then you can find me on, um, on LinkedIn at uh, Mia Gardner Zamberano. Yes. And I will have everything in the show notes. So make sure you check out the show notes. So that way you can click those links and boom. Yeah. You go right to the there. website, <laughs> talk to me there. You can find me on social. I try to give as much content and all that stuff too, just so you can have a taste of who I am and, and little helpful takeaways here and there as well. Yeah, whatever I think about Mia, I think that song, Mama Mia, there I go again. I don't know. They it made was, it for me, did you yes, know? Right? See? It takes place in Greece, too, which I my family is from. Oh, so how, cool. how awesome yeah. is that? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know uh, a lot of Mias who play soccer. Like, I went to high school with a friend named Mia. She played soccer. And then I wasn't there like a, like a, like, was she Mia like, Ham? Yeah, that, that's the one. I was trying to remember her last name, Mia Ham. So I'm like, I grew up in the age of Mia Ham. <laughs> yeah, when I was like starting to get really seriously competitively, she was on the big screen, and people would be like, "Oh my gosh, are you related?" Like at the time, where yeah, we're the same first name means you're related. Like yeah, we are. <laughs> I met her actually once. I went to the Olympic Center in California, and I met her, and I was just like the most starstruck I probably have or ever will be. It's really that's cool. That's so awesome. Yeah. But lastly, I have one more question. What's the one piece of advice you would give to our listeners about reestablishing a positive relationship with their performance? Kind of like I said, is is literally redefine mm-hmm. performing. I do think when that kind of word comes up, it can lead to a lot of like icky feelings of judgment or whether it's self or you, you assume someone else is going to judge you or feeling like you have to be on and it's pressure situation, like, you know, whatever you believe in, I I believe we have this life and however you show up to each and every moment, even if it's not perfect, even if it's not beautiful, (laughs) you know, that's what you have. And I think every day, every opportunity can be an opportunity for miracles and really incredible things to happen. So when you think of performing, I would just challenge you to see it as that, whether you're showing up as a parent as a partner, as a friend, as a professional, as the business owner, you're impacting more people than you realize, but, and it very much starts within. So the kinder you are to yourself, the more willing you are to look inside, that's going to be a trickle effect to this world. And I think the world could use <laughs> as much good as possible right now. So, you know, see it, as, see yourself as the ripple effect and, and that's starting with just this agreement to do your best and be present in how you show up and, and what that looks like for you. And knowing that there's a lot of things that can help inform you of where to start again. Don't feel like you have to, but have to know everything. Um, but just even that awareness, just building that awareness 
with that process and redefining that relationship is a really great place to start. Yes, the world needs you. <laughs> we need your shine. <laughs> Everybody, yes. There you go. Great tie-in, Gina. <laughs> tie-in. I see what right, you right? did there. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yes, always shine. Yes, everyone yes. needs your light. Exactly. And I was going to mention something. Like I always had like, okay, so there's New Year's because New Year's is coming up. And that's when everyone mm-hmm. says, this is my goal. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. No, my New Year's, my mini New Year's is every Monday. <laughs> That's my mini New Year's. Every Monday, yeah. is a new week, new week, new day, new hour, you know, new minute. <laughs> well, I would say too, I think a lot of times this time of year, um, and I, I, maybe it's an unpopular opinion, but I'm just going to throw it out there. It's always like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And I think it's really hard to inform the next thing if you don't reflect on what's going on. And it's not to dwell because a lot of people are like, oh, you, you know, where you are, your eyes focus on is where you're going. It's not to, to focus, to harp, it's to, it's to build from. So I actually see this as a great time of year to reflect, to kind of stop and acknowledge and what's worked and what hasn't um, in the context of, again, how you want to perform, how you want to show up, what you want to accomplish. So in the rush of, and, and again, maybe unpopular opinion, but Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you know, whatever, all those things. It always felt like sticky to me because it felt like so pressured and so fast paced. I like naturally just want to slow down for a second. I just want to see like what's going on. Like, how are we doing? And then use that information to, to move forward and to put stuff into action. But if you're feeling that kind of that way, you feel like you're behind or you're lagging, you want to do these things, but you don't know where to start. Just, just take a minute. It's okay. (laughs) Just regroup check on what's going on. Cause chances are you've done a lot and experienced a lot more in the past year than you even remember in this very moment. So I plan on continuing to do that for myself, just that regroup, that reset, reinform, and then you'll be in a more effective and efficient place in whatever you choose to move forward with. I love that. Mia. That's beautiful. I'm going to write that down. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to use that. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> and it reminded me of the Black, Black Friday, right? Um, so I just like did one email for Black Friday. And then I just did like one post. I didn't even post anything at all until like the like the last day of the Black Friday. Because I was doing it for like two weeks. I had like yeah. a two week uh, open, uh, open cart uh, for a 50% off. And then I'm like, oh man, I didn't even like follow up or do anything. <laughs> So you know what I am like, that's okay. Because at least it's the first time I actually did a black Friday. So yeah. I'm like, Hey, baby steps. So I'm happy for myself. Baby steps. <laughs> and listen, baby like, steps. it's not to say like, those are beautiful opportunities. And some people truly wait for those opportunities. Cause maybe that's what's within their means. And, and they, they do, they need, we, we need those things. It's just, so like for me personally, I didn't post, I didn't have any special, like nothing. And I, and my intention was to, but I had a lot of things going on that I felt like needed my attention more than just posting to post or, or discounting to discount or stuff like that. So, um, totally. everyone's in a different place. And again, we, we need, we need the deals too. like not saying <laughs> that's a bad thing, but it's more of just, if you notice this time of year, you're feeling like you're in a rut or you're not sure where to start. It's okay to, to just not for a minute so that yeah. you can <laughs> the taking a step back to step forward. Yeah. Yeah, I would say just pause, take a pause. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Nothing's going to happen. The world is still here, okay? <laughs> I always tell my friends, like, you know, um, when they're going through some crisis, they're like, oh, it's the end of the world. I said, listen, I said, do you remember when it was the end of the world last time? You got through it, right? 
Okay, you're gonna go through this one too. So yeah. it's okay. I know. Just take your We're time. If you here. need to grieve, grieve. You know, whatever yeah. you need to do, and you're. But you'll be okay at the end of the road. Because yeah. I got resilience. you. <laughs> resilience, resilience, and belief. We can struggle. We can be sad. We can be angry. We can be all the things. We can be afraid. It's just build, and that's where that. That's where that baseline comes in. Is that self belief that that resilience factor is like this might be the bottom of the barrel, and I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> We're gonna keep on keeping on. Right. Oh, well, Mia, thank you so much for being on my show today. It's always a pleasure. And yes, so people follow Mia and then uh, get on her programs. Yes. And I'm going to go ahead and do that performance quiz. Yeah, it's a little performance quiz. Okay. I'm going to do that quiz right now. All right. <laughs> I'll give you some feedback to be like, this is me. What are yeah, you doing now? I can't see it. When it's sent to you, it's in your hands. I, you know, you can send it back to me. Happy to look over it, but I wanted it to be so that it didn't feel like you had eyes on you that you could take it at your own pace. You could do it. It's it's only 17 questions, by the way. It gives you little ranges. Um, so it's not, not a diagnostic thing. It's nothing like intense. It's really just to kind of feel out how you feel and what, what's going on for you. So all for you. Awesome, me. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Gina. To my cherished listeners, from the very depths of my heart, thank you. Every single one of you who've showered me with those warm five-star reviews, your kindness shines so brightly. And if you haven't yet, know that your voice and support always matter. Your unwavering love has lifted us onto Feedspot's esteemed list of best women's sobriety podcasts, and it truly warms my heart. With immense love and care, I've created something for you as well. Introducing the Overcoming Challenges mini course, crafted especially with the intention to guide and support you through life's varied phases, because we all deserve gentle guidance as we navigate life's tides. Furthermore, I have two heartfelt gifts for our listener family. One is a seven-day challenge, a tender beginning for those curious about sobriety, and the other, a personal sharing from my journey, six-step blueprint to an alcohol-free life. This encapsulates the loving steps I took, I embraced beyond AA and the traditional 12 steps that have nurtured my own sobriety journey. To embrace these tokens of gratitude and love, simply text GIFT, that's G-I-F-T, to 1-855-649-6196. Again, that's G-I-F-T at 1-855-649-6196. With all my love and deepest gratitude, I cherish each and every one of you.